0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Listen in as your host, Jimmy Atkinson, invites industry leaders to share their best OZ insights and investment strategies. From market updates to fund launches, policy news, tax mitigation strategies, and more, we cover it all here on the Opportunity Zones podcast.
1: Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson, joining you from the real estate Family Office Summit, the IMN, Real Estate Family Office Summit, here in Dana Point, California. And my guest joining me today on site is Alex Bathall. Alex is founder and executive chairman of Revitate. Alex, how's it going? How you doing? Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Jimmy. Great to see you. Yeah, You're a real th- pro. We were on a panel recently and Jimmy was Dropping bombs of wisdom in front of the crowd as usual. <laughs>
1: Appreciate that, Alex. Yeah, we just got uh, we just walked off stage from our Qualified Opportunity Zones panel uh, just a few minutes ago. This conference focuses on all real estate for specifically geared toward ultra high net worths and family offices. Uh, but we were the one Opportunity Zone show for the day. We just got done, wrapped that up. So we'll kind of recap that a little bit during today's podcast episode. And we'll also get some updates from Alex on his Opportunity Zone projects that he's developing nationwide. Alex, maybe you can start us off with some of those updates. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Revitate, your platform, the funds that you're working on and what you're doing in Opportunity Zones.
0: Sure, thanks Jimmy, thanks for uh, having me here and great to see you as always. Uh, So I am Executive Chairman and Managing Partner at Revitate, uh, which is our investment management platform spawned out of our family investment office called Raj Capital. Uh, At Revitate, we focus on uh, sports, consumer, and real estate investments. Uh, Our roots are really in the Opportunity Zone space where uh, we launched a series of funds dating back to 2019. We were one of the early movers in the Opportunity Zone field. Uh, We were named Opportunity Zone Investor of the Year back in 2019, uh, top 25 fund manager uh, this last year. So we've been done a lot of great things in the space, and invested in uh, billion dollars of new developments across the country. So we're really proud of our accomplishments there and really excited to expand our, our portfolio of, of investment products uh, beyond just uh, the opportunity zones into multifamily and, and soon to be in the sports space as well.
1: Right. And your family office as well, and you work with other family offices. As investors in your fund, or we
0: do. Yeah, that, that, that's been the roots of of our investor base from the very beginning. Was relationships that we've had and developed over the years with other family offices, and they were kind enough to believe in our our vision and our our conviction around opportunity zones and and uh, the family office community w- was the basis of our general support.
1: Good, yeah. A lot of uh, the content that I've created on Opportunity DB and the platform that I've put out. Is, and this podcast, too, speaks a lot of the time to the retail high net worth investor. Uh, we're speaking to the family office uh, folks as well. But, but more of the focus has been on you know, that, that smaller retail Main Street investor. So you're, I want this episode to kind of speak to family offices out there right now. Do you feel as though there's a huge opportunity for family offices with Opportunity Zone Investing and are some of them not really grasping what Opportunity Zones are yet? Or what, what, what's your take on the evolution of understanding of the OZ program by family offices?
0: Well, that's a great question. I think it kind of goes to uh, the, uh, the maxim: if you've met one family office, you've met one family office. Mm-hmm. So they're all, they all tend to have their own uh, idiosyncrasies and, and different criteria for making investments. Uh, what I can can share is at the beginning of the opportunity, at the beginning of the Opportunity Zone uh, marketplace, uh, there was tremendous interest from family offices. Uh, there was a, a steep learning curve for uh, motivated investors to understand what the tax advantages were and how the Opportunity Zone program could help uh, serve a social impact mm-hmm. uh, goal of, of investing in historically underprivileged communities. So you had tax advantages, you had impact. Um at the same time, there was a hesitancy at the beginning uh, by many families to in, put money to work in opportunity zones, given that it was a 10- year time horizon, which for family offices isn't a long time, but it's typically longer than a uh, it is longer than a typical fund fund life and the lack of clarity around the regulations and what and what this all was going to look like and would this program work would it Transition from a Republican administration to a Democrat administration—all those answers, have, all those questions have been answered. So every day, uh, the the momentum and interest amongst family offices for opportunity zones increases. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 really is less about educating about the program and more um, understanding is this the right deal, uh, and, and we spend a lot less time talking about opportunity zones as a category more. Time rightly on whether this strategy is the right investment strategy for the families.
1: Right. Uh, it oftentimes gets compared to a DST or a 1031 type of program, I think, anyway. There's a lot of similarities, but quite a few differences as well. A um, couple differences. you know, One, it's a place based policy, opportunity zones are, so you're limited to certain geographies, right? Mm-hmm. Another is the substantial improvement or new use requirement really necessitates, it's got to be ground up construction in most cases, if not a very heavy redevelopment. You can't just OZ into a a stable cash flowing situation. So it's a little bit more of an opportunistic, more focused on uh, capital growth, really, than capital right. preservation. So it's a completely different strategy. Right. Um, and it's a little bit different strategy to to get your head around, I guess, as a family office, especially... Given that it is a relatively new program, it's only been out for four years, right? Mm-hmm. And we've only had regs for two of those four years, roughly.
0: With uh, a pandemic in the middle of it. With a pandemic
1: things. in the middle of it. So we've, we've had some hiccups along the way. Oh, thankfully, maybe we have, it, this being a perishable tax incentive too, the clock is ticking, right? right? We're getting toward you know less than, what is it? Less than five years now, a little more than four years until the, uh, program really starts to sunset at the end of 2026. Thankfully, maybe there's some legislation on the way to the rescue that could extend the program by two years and maybe is the first step toward making this program permanent in the long run. What are your thoughts on the new legislation? I know you've been a big champion and an advocate of Opportunity Zones uh, since the get-go. What do you think of the new legislation and, and what do you
0: hope for it? Well, I hope it passes. Right. I, I think it's been a great accomplishment to get it to this point with Senator Booker and Senator Scott agreeing upon the, the framework and 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 actually the introduction of the legislation, and and it goes to the viability of the marketplace. Uh, you you mentioned just a few minutes ago about uh, current estimates are um, all over the all over the board, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Novagrattaer I think your estimate was a hundred billion dollars have, have gone of, of equity has gone into opportunity zones across the country in just a few years right. with the pandemic in the middle. Of so
1: it, so. Which, which means, I mean, that's only the equity portion. So I think maybe there's a half a trillion dollars of OZ projects already. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it amazing. is. It's it really amazing.
0: Is. And, and that shows that this program is extremely popular with investors. Mm-hmm. It's extremely popular, especially with mayors, mm-hmm. because it's bringing capital in the places that have been historically overlooked and, and, helping, and truly helping to improve communities. So I think the proof's in the pudding. Investors want this, cities want this, uh, the marketplace is maturing, it's survived tra- transition in parties and government, and now there's an opportunity to extend it in a bipartisan way. So I really hope that they're able to get it uh, uh, get it accomplished this year, and I hope to your point that it's another step towards a, a, a permanent opportunity zone program that uh, that can be here for a generation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we're at the IMN conference, as I mentioned earlier. A lot of family offices here, a lot of project sponsors and other developers here. Uh, what brings you to the conference? What, what do you hope to get out of your time here, Alex? Uh, well,
0: I have other to say than that Other that's than
1: that's shedding some light on the OZ program during our panel.
0: Well, I have to say, it's very convenient for me. I live up the street. That's so. a good point, yeah. <laughs> so it's an easy one to attend yeah. and we get to see Jimmy and some of the uh, OG opportunities on players. Uh, on our panel so it's it's great to see familiar faces and and just get a flavor anytime we have the opportunity to be in person i mean it, there was a couple of years where we weren't real we uh, we took previous to the pandemic we we took for granted the ability to to press the flesh and meet mm-hmm. people and talk face to face and and learn uh, and and now we're back so it's it's great to be back in person and and hear from other panelists on wide-ranging topics uh, in the investment community with a focus on real estate, which is uh, very core to what we do at Revitate and within our family office. So yeah. you know, it's, it's great to be here.
1: Yeah, and you, I think you touched upon this a minute ago, just kind of looking forward for Revitate, you're about to launch your fourth Opportunity Zone fund. What can you tell us about
0: that fund? Will
1: it have a similar strategy?
0: I think each uh, each investment phase that we go through, we get better and we learn more. So uh, we expect to have an evolution, not a revolution in, in, our, in our thinking about how to invest in opportunity zones. We've always believed in uh, investing in the urban core of up and coming markets across the country uh, with a focus on strong quality sponsors. So that's uh, those pillars remain. And now as we've grown, I uh, I think the size and scope of our projects can take a next step forward as well. Secondary
1: and tertiary markets, one of your areas that you're kind of focusing on, uh, you redeveloped a lot of that arena district in Sacramento with the Sacramento Kings ownership. Um, what, what markets do you like moving forward? If, if I can uh, pick your brain on that. Yeah,
0: we're, we're going through that process okay. right now of understanding uh, where the macro trends post COVID, mm-hmm are most conducive to long-term investment. We're looking, we're studying uh, where people are moving to, where the jobs are moving, uh, where the regulatory environments are gonna be favorable for to accommodate population business growth. Um, and at the same time, understanding supply and demand um, in in those marketplaces a lot of people are moving into or are, are chasing deals in the sunbelt we think the sunbelt is great because there's certainly a ton of people and a ton of companies moving down there at the same time uh, there's a lot of new development there mm-hmm. and prices have really run up so we our mindset has always been focused on value so making sure that we find the right markets where the demand is there it's steady it's durable and at the same time there's not an oversupply or a glut of, of new product coming on of the marketplace that are going to affect projected rents.
1: And in terms of property types, I think you like multifamily, but you're more or less property type agnostic when you're going into a new OZ deal. Is that, is that right? Can you tell Correct. us more about that?
0: Yeah, we've been focused on uh, on identifying the right marketplaces, the right locations within those marketplaces, and most importantly, partnering with the right developers who have the experience to execute the business plan according to the size and the scope of what we're looking to do. And we know that over a 10-year over period, uh, different product types will come in and out of, of, of favor. Multifamily and industrial certainly is the the, the most resilient through the last uh, market cycle. and We expect that to continue, mm-hmm. but that's not to say that'll be the only thing we invest in. Maybe office and hotel will come
1: back at some point <laughs> soon. It, it's starting to come back, It's right?
0: starting to come back. And I think in select circumstances, uh, you, can, you can make uh, good investments in those areas. You just have to be ultra careful.
1: Right. Yeah, the, old, the latest Novogratix survey data, um, we're recording this in early June, so the latest survey data I have from them is from Q1. Uh, it showed that, I think if I'm recalling correctly, close to 80% of all qualified opportunity funds had at least some exposure to residential. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's going to continue, or maybe it will, but you seem to think there's probably some natural ebbs and flows to which property types are, are best valued at certain periods of time.
0: Absolutely. At, at the same time, my multifamily really has become kind of the core of the opportunity zone investment yeah. thesis for pretty much everybody.
1: It does seem like it, yeah. Well, we (laughs) are—we are, um, according to a survey, not a survey, some data from the National Association of Realtors. I think um, I don't know uh, a few months or a year ago. I'm a little fuzzy on the details; I can't remember. But they say there's a 5.5 million unit shortage in this country, which I'm sure you're familiar with that statistic or something similar to that, which is incredible. So, no amount of multifamily development can really lead to oversupply nationwide at least. Are, are you concerned that maybe some areas of the country might be overbuilt there may be some equity rush that might heat up supply too much in certain markets, or, or are those fears overblown?
0: Oh, I think that's very real okay. uh, in terms of pricing, okay. of, of the entry point of the deal. To, to your earlier point, there's a massive shortage of of multifamily housing and housing in general in this country mm-hmm. and here in California especially. So we need to build as, as a country full stop. And uh, as that supply comes on, it's going to come come on in, in an imbalanced way into, into different marketplaces based upon where developers think they can make the best returns. So th- that's the nature of markets. There's supply and there's demand. You have to find the best areas to invest in where you'll, you'll find relative value.
1: Sure. Always good advice. Uh, Alex, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Before we go, can you tell our listeners and viewers where they can go to learn more about you and Revitate?
0: Sure. Uh, Thanks, Jimmy. Always great to see you. We're at
1: revitate.co. Revitate.co. And for our listeners and viewers out there, as always, of course, I will have show notes on today's podcast episode on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast and there you'll find links to all of the resources discussed on today's show with my guest, Alex Bathall. And please uh, remember to subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite podcast listening app. Alex, again, pleasure. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Thanks, Jimmy. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. You can access our show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com forward slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.